Welcome back to the Cheryl Reeves Show. We have Cheryl. I'm down in Florida. Cheryl is back home digging out as we speak. Uh, Cheryl, we haven't gotten a chance to talk since. Uh, You had Team USA at the Mayo uh, Courts. Just, if you would, just kind of recap that experience for us. Yeah, it was a great experience. I um, had a chance to obviously get eyes on uh, a lot of players that were in the pool that didn't necessarily get to participate uh, for the World Cup for a variety of reasons following the WNBA season. So that in and of itself was great. Uh, we had a a great group there uh, in addition to uh, Nafisa Collier. Uh, that that was great to be a part of. And just really three three really good days of work. I always appreciate uh, how committed the players are to getting the work in despite not necessarily having uh, quote anything to play for right now you know, with with the Olympics uh, you know being a little ways away and, and even a uh, qualifying tournament that we'll have to participate in uh, a week uh, I'm sorry a year from now so that's always great when they they come in and and uh, work really hard and and I thought we got got really good work in this is the Cheryl Reeve show this is part of talknorth.com we appreciate it if you would subscribe at your favorite podcast app to this show or any other show you like at the network. You can go to talkdork.com, find all the other sports shows, all the outdoor shows, all the variety shows. We do appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our many sponsors, starting with Rudy Luther Toyota, also SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com, All Energy Solar, and we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Uh, thanks again for listening to the network. Thanks for listening to the Cheryl Reeve Show. We do appreciate it. Are uh, you looking forward to the Big Ten Tournament? Yeah, it's great that we'll have it here in Minneapolis. And, and yes. uh, as as things have uh, progressed in the in the uh, college season, you, you see that in, in terms of uh, how the uh, selection committee in terms of the NCAA tournament is seeing the Big Ten teams, it's an awfully good conference this year that has a lot of ranked teams in the top 10. And uh, so it's it's a great, um, great scouting event. And obviously, uh, love, love supporting the Gophers as well. We'll be able to do that uh, without without leaving. Minneapolis, which is nice. Yes, and it'll be interesting how many see how many Iowa folk come up to watch Caitlin Clark and the, and the Hawkeyes. And as you said, the league has been pretty spectacular. Indiana is really good. Maryland just beat uh, Iowa. It's it it is a heck of a league. Um, uh, and will you will you look at will you be at those games as a fan or more of a scout? I'll be there working scouting. Yeah. and and uh, yeah, that this is that time of year where putting the finishing touches on all the work, uh, that we've done, you know, since November. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there, there are many conferences that are all occurring at the same time. So we'll be spread out and, uh, covering as much as we can. Draft is what? April 10th. Is that right? April 10th. April 10th. That'll be, that'll be very interesting. And do you have any, I know you can't get too specific here. Do you have any different feelings about having the second pick in this draft after all the work you've done than you did when you initially acquired the second pick in the draft? No, I, I think the, the, the same players uh, that we were considering from, from the outset, I, I think that was largely known. Uh, I think just honing in on, you know, maybe the, the final two, uh, which is what we've gotten down to that we, we make a determination from there. And, uh, you know, we, we see it, it's a body of work and, you know, there's certainly ebbs and flows to a player in a season. And so you, and it's careful, be careful not to, you know, make judgments, you know, over, over one set of games or, um, it, it's, it's a career. It's all the way through uh, the NCAA tournament. And then we, then we kind of hunker down and make that final determination of who we're going to select. You've been scouting for a long time. Uh, have you ever had a player 
I don't know, surprise you either, either have their senior year, you know, really vault them into a different, uh, a different level in terms of, uh, them being rated as a prospect of your, or, or the other way around. I mean, do you, do you feel like you really know a player by the time they get halfway through the senior year or, or can somebody still make a move? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that, it, you know, we, we have an idea of the players and maybe we have thoughts on where they, their, where they would fall. Uh, and then, and you can get into a season and, and really gain some momentum. Uh, if if you're a player, I, I think the Villanova player Maddie Segris would be a good example. Uh, had has had a phenomenal season and is making uh, national news with, with with you know scoring 50 points, et cetera, and you know breaking breaking scoring records. I, I think from that standpoint, maybe that's a player that started in a certain spot in terms of how we would mock it out and maybe where she is now. I think she's really gotten a bounce, and you know I, I always use the Courtney Vandersloot as a great example. She started the started the her senior season as a uh, probably an early second rounder, and and catapulted all the way into uh, a lottery a lottery pick. So, um, yeah, I, I think those things can happen, and and and, and the other way as well. I, I think that I think a lot of times maybe we were wrong in the beginning, whether it was us as the scouters or those that uh, you know uh, you know produce these these uh, mock drafts that maybe have somebody really high. Uh, that probably didn't belong there, uh, and then they then they settle into kind of where where they should be, which uh, often is considered dropping. Uh, but the great Roger Griffith used to say, "Did they drop, or did you have it wrong in the beginning?" <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, since since you brought up his name, uh, you know, you you receive have received a lot of credit for leading four championship teams and running a great organization. I've never really, I have to be honest from the outside, I've never gotten a great feel for how much Roger Griff had to do with all of the success. How would you characterize it? Well, I mean, certainly Roger uh, navigated the franchise um, as its first general manager uh, that was not the coach. And and he succeeded uh, Brian Agler uh, when Brian Mm -hmm. Agler was the coach and the general manager. And so he took on that role and, um, it, it's always interesting because I think this is what we do in women's sports and this is not a knock on Roger Griffith in any way. It's more the concept of what we do, uh, with women's sports, which is someone with zero experience and zero background, uh, on, 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 uh, you know, fielding a team, selecting a team, that sort of thing, um, making trades, et cetera. Uh, he was the, a, a, uh, uh, executive in, uh, finance, and um, got the opportunity because he was uh, a part of bringing the WNBA team uh, to Minneapolis, uh, obviously along with uh, Glenn Taylor. But he was sort of the the ones that was crunching the numbers and and letting Glenn know, you know, kind of of, of uh, what his thoughts were uh, on on a WNBA team. And and, I, and so he got the opportunity to to be the architect, as they say. And and so I think, like anything, you know, you you first get into it, you you have a mindset and. Yeah, uh, you learn. You learn through you know the, these processes. You learn the, the the good things that happen. You learn the things that oh, I wouldn't do that again. And so I think Roger really found a groove uh, by the time I got here. And and so we had a really good working relationship. And what I liked about Roger a lot was that he he certainly understood uh, communication with a coach. And um, he didn't necessarily go out and scout players. I think maybe he went to one, one game the entire time he was a general manager. Uh, he, it was more of a, 
uh, where the coaches went out and scouted. And then he was sort of a collector of information and, and would weight heavily a head coach's uh, opinion on, on what they thought they needed and, you know, style of play, et cetera. And so I thought Roger was really good about, you know, this collective of voices and thoughts and kind of sifting through and then, and then making those decisions. And obviously he was on the, on the phone a lot with agents, et cetera, and, and, and negotiating contracts and, and all of that. So, um, I think there's no question. I think he's, I mean, I don't know if it's just an internal thing, but I think we called him the architect <laughs> of the Minnesota link. So, um, it certainly, you know, it should get a lot of credit and, and, uh, you know, I, I was happy that he went through those, uh, more challenging years where there was just before 2011, just, uh, one, one season of, of playoff basketball, uh, in the market. So, um, I'm just thrilled that he, and I always say this with Glenn and Becky, that they got a chance to experience with all their investment time-wise and financially to be able to, uh, experience the success that we've had. Uh, over the last you know thirteen or so years, so um, shout out to Roger Griffith if 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 there's by chance that he might be listening. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he listens every week. I mean, who, who doesn't? That's the real question. Uh, I, I want to get to Brittany Griner. I'm going to ask Cheryl if she's dealing with agents herself these days. Talk about Don Staley, a few other uh, WNBA issues and developments. Uh, we do want to thank though our longtime sponsor, Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. A new year means renewed solar energy incentives from local utility providers. Want to save money in your solar install? Find out what incentives you could qualify for at AllEnergySolar.com coach. All Energy Solar, delivering quality solar installations for homes and businesses since 2009. Get a free solar quote at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Want to be more green this year? Solar energy can help. The electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy, so beat the rush and plan your solar installation soon. Solar with energy can provide peace of mind during winter storms, and guess what? Soon enough, you'll be worrying about summer storms. So check it all out. Get all the information you need at All Energy Solar com slash coach. Thank you to Delory and Successful Marketing Group. They created and manage all the social media for the Cheryl Reeve Show. If you're looking for a social media for your business, I would highly recommend you contact her at Delory at SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com. Uh, thanks, Delory. has been a big asset to the network and this show all along. Highly re- recommend working with her. And we are being brought to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Uh, so Brittany Griner re-signs. Uh, with Phoenix, and uh, we didn't see her obviously at the national team workouts with you. Uh, what do you have any clues, or have you had any conversations with her about her national team future? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it in one of the uh, the media sessions that we had. That uh, Brittany certainly uh, we've been in touch with with uh, her as, as well as her agent, and uh, there were conversations uh, around uh, her participating, obviously in the in the national team whenever. Uh, she felt that was appropriate and whatever time she would need. I think that was probably a little soon for her. 
Uh, I don't want to put you know words or thoughts uh, in in her uh, without her representing that, but it, it, it felt like um, whenever she's ready, then that's when we're going to welcome her back with with open arms. We wanted to make sure that she knew that, and and uh, we'll continue to communicate with with her camp on that. And and excited that she'll be back in the WNBA. Obviously, all of us are are, are thrilled uh, that she seems to be doing quite well and and is committed to to playing the WNBA and playing for the Phoenix Mercury again and. And uh, obviously, we wish that things continue to go well for her. No doubt about it. Uh, So I've been covering pro sports for a long time. I've talked to agents a million times. I've talked to people about agents a million times. Uh, And you're, you know, as general manager, uh, and I I think you were doing a lot of this this work before anyway, how much do you deal with agents? And is that a process you enjoy? Well, uh, since since Roger's uh, departure and then and my being named general manager, I've uh, increase those conversations that what again, Roger was really good about a collaborative. And I had relationships from my time as an assistant GM in Detroit. And, and, uh, so those relationships sort of carried and, and Roger and I kind of had our people that, that, uh, that we connected with. And so we kind of let those things, uh, happen. And then upon Roger's departure, it was basically just me, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, communications around negotiations and, and interest, et cetera. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to, to share that load, uh, with Claire and, and I have been going through the process of, uh, you know, moving things over, uh, to Claire, you know, to, to make, to have these conversations and, uh, certainly, uh, am involved obviously in, in the content of the communications and any decisions being made. Uh, but, but, uh, it's gotten to the point now where, where Claire is doing, uh, most of, most of that. I'm still involved with regard to players, uh, as we, as we obviously we recruited and, you know, as the coach. Uh, so there's, there's, uh, probably a shared responsibility there, uh, with Claire and I, and again, that's nice, uh, ni- nice to have that ability to, you know, to have more than one voice and, and, uh, it's, it's worked well so far. Felt like to me in the nineties, the two thousands, I was constantly hearing about agents screaming at people and, uh, team executives screaming back and agents threatening things in the press and using public leverage. It strikes me uh, dealing with, you know, other sports teams that it's become a much more professional, uh, even handed uh, thing lately. Is that, is that accurate as far as you know? Well, I, I mean, I can't speak to the the men's game. I don't know exactly what happens there. I, right. I, I know that there's certainly been, you know, contentious moments through the years. Uh, I, I think invariably every, every team, no question, has gone through ups and downs with with agents. And uh, but I think it's largely professional. I, I, uh, you know, I, I can think of one situation uh, offhand that that went to sort of unprofessional, uh, and that didn't end well for the agent. Um, and <laughs> that was, that was, a I was, I, I bore witness to this particular situation. So, uh, it's very difficult to make Roger angry. Uh, and, and, uh, this agent was able to, to do that and it didn't end well, uh, for the agent. And, you know, you just, you kind of, you know, you, you, ha- you all have to work together. You know, they have, uh, multiple players more than just the one that maybe they might've, uh, gotten sideways about and, and, you know, the franchises, you know, the agent needs all 12 teams to, to be able to manage their entire client base. And so generally speaking, I think uh, both sides understand that. And, and it's, it's largely been professional in the women's game. I, again, I can't speak to what's happening and what the climate is in men's sports, but 
I think for now, I think we're, we're, we're largely professional. That's my impression. Uh, how is Nafisa Collier coming along? Doing quite well. Doing quite well. She had a great camp. It was really good to, to see her out there and uh, playing well. And, and she was super excited to be there. And, and, and she was happy to be on the court and playing well and enjoyed um, just blending with some of the other, other WNBA players. And you know, they're on different teams each day. And, and, and I think she overall felt like it was a successful showing for her. And, and then you know, we want to make sure that we use that momentum that that she got and kind of keep where uh where she is and and keep her healthy and and as she works through um you know some of the aches and pains that go with uh just playing and so we're we're making sure that um she's going to be ready for training camp and and uh you know be in good shape and and that's what she's really really focused on and as you know she's been back and forth in terms of being in market and working really hard uh, and, and, uh, and marketing for the league and marketing for the team. And so she's had a really productive off season and, and I know she's thrilled to, you know, to be coming upon training camp, uh, not, not too, not too far from now. She's still a young player. She's already been an all-star. She's already been an Olympian. Uh, is there even more there? What, what would you say her ceiling is? Well, I mean, I, when I think about, uh, FISA in terms of, uh, the player and kind of where she started and, and, you know, maybe their first training camp to, to her first season to, I thought her, her best season being the bubble season. Uh, not that she wasn't good in 2021. She really was. Uh, but I, I just see so much more for her. The, the base of her game or the floor of her game is really high. And, and I think from now it's, it's the knowledge that you gain of how to play uh, the skill set. She's certainly been working on, more perimeter type skills and, and ball handling and playing in transition. And, you know, uh, she, she knows, uh, how strongly we feel about her, uh, three point shooting. And, and so, uh, she, she's working to those things. And I think when you get her to that space, I mean, you're looking at a really, really, really good player, uh, that's consistently in the, in the top 10 and, uh, you know, defensive player of the year candidate, uh, MVP candidate, that's, that's her ceiling. And, and that's exciting for us as we you know, continue to work towards that. In the men's game, uh, they're talking about load management. Anthony Edwards made himself a hero by saying that he doesn't want to take games off. We just watched a, an all-star game that was uh, that had absolutely zero defense in it. Uh, people actually running out of the way of the ball handler. Um, what? How do you feel about all-star games, how the WNBA conducts their all-star game uh, and resting stars? Well, I mean, the all-star game to me is for the fans. It's not for basketball enthusiasts who like the purity of the game. I think it's it's really more for the fans. And what do fans want? They want a show. They want scoring. They want personalities. And and I think our league has has really grown in that area. In in the way that we entertain, uh, the all-star game has has really grown to be something uh, really fun to watch. And and I don't think people are tuning in expecting. Uh, you know, great, great, uh, great schemes. And I, I think actually it's a little break from all that. And, and so I think that's uh, if you if you're tuning in with the right uh, mindset with regard to what all star games really are, um, you know, think about the players there. They're they're certainly not going to be invested in, in uh, as if it's a playoff game uh, for their team. So, you know, they they, they are. All-Star weekends are very, very taxing on the players, very, very taxing in terms of all that they're asked to do. And, uh, you know, the game is only a small a small part of that. So, you know, I think with regard to resting players, um, 
I, I think it, it, it there's, there's, it, it's hard for me to really relate because it's an 82 game season and uh, it certainly seems like a lot and it would make sense uh, that if you have a player that's either uh, you're managing an injury or something nagging, or if you are, uh, have a, a player, you know, that's like more of the uh, aging player that maybe it would make sense. I'm all for it. I think just to invent load management, just to, you know, we're, we're investing in all this medical, medical teams and, you know, we're growing, uh, in, in the resources of that and we're missing more games. I'm not so sure that I'm, I bought into that completely. Uh, Chuck and I are our trainer. We, we really, we sit down and we really talk about, uh, what makes sense. I think there's, to, to me, the load managing should probably happen in the days that are not the game and what you can do, what a player can do in terms of preparing themselves. And, but again, right now, like I said, we're dealing with a much shorter season and, um, it is a year round, uh, game in terms of if you combine the overseas as well as the, uh, the domestic league of the WNBA, it, it is year round. And, and there are some players that certainly need, uh, where you need to be mindful, uh, of what's happening to their bodies and, and not overdoing it because you do need to think about, you know, later in their career, I think about Lindsay, Lindsay and, and Simone playing 34 minutes a game, you know, through the course of what a 32 game season, look at, uh, Las Vegas's players this year. That was reminiscent of the group that I had where, you know, we were playing those guys 34, 35 minutes and they don't want to come off the floor, you know, and, and they would figure out what to do in between those games. And, and, uh, but you know, there's times when maybe it makes sense to, you know, to make sure that a player's health is is uh, of paramount importance uh, if they are dealing with something. But generally speaking, I, I don't like the, you know, just just for for no good reason. And um, I uh, appreciate Anthony Edwards. Yeah, it, it strikes me as one of the strangest developments uh, in modern sports history is that the more players rest it feels like the more injury problems they had. and the twins had that last year they rested people they pre-rested people even when they weren't tired and they still had you know a, a pandemic of injuries i i don't i and I, i'm not smart enough to figure out how it all connects but but you would like I, to me it's pretty simple play people as much as you can i mean it's best that's best for the league it's best for the team uh and generations of players did it before this generation yeah, I mean, I, you know, just because it's like, you know, because they did it before doesn't mean it's the right thing now, sure. but it's it's certainly uh, – uh, it, it is a different mindset today. Let's say that. <laughs> yes. Let, let's get a final thought from Cheryl once again. Thank you to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota, successful marketing group, All Energy Solar, and we are coming to you, as always, from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Check out TalkNorth.com. Subscribe to the shows you like, and we do appreciate you listening. Any final thoughts, Cheryl? I was never in the training room, Jim. Uh, <laughs> back, back in the I, 80s. I believe you. It, it's true. Back in the, This is how things have changed. Back in the 80s, I didn't know where the training room was. I, I probably didn't know who the, the trainer was. Um, and I, I wanted no parts of it. And not because it was you know a conscious thing. It's just that it's not, it wasn't something that was common to do. Uh, and then you get into coaching and then you get into professional coaching. And then you realize the, the training room was like the hub. Uh, for for players to kind of come through, whether there's anything wrong or not, but it's a it's it's a really important time, uh, you know, for for the team and, the, and and teammates and the interactions and and you kind of you know you sort of get with the program with that and and uh, but but for this this person who um, you know I I did I did never see the inside of a training room you know it is this all is is a it's a it's um, 
like I said, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, but there's a lot more when I think about it, you know, that maybe had I been uh, knowledgeable with, you know, I, maybe I would have been a, a better athlete, you know, maybe not a better player, but maybe a little bit better athlete <laughs> had I had I engaged in some of these things. And, and uh, uh, but that was, I was just, that came to mind. You know, I never saw the inside of a training room. That's actually, that, that's something you should get t-shirts printed up that say that. <laughs> that's see, right. See what the reaction is. <laughs> Uh, they they would stuff, say yeah. you're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get that a lot. Uh, you shouldn't get that, but I get that a lot. Uh, thanks for the time today, Cheryl. We appreciate it. Thanks to Brandon. We'll talk to you soon.